Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. WGR Sports Radio 550. It's time to take a look inside high school sports. Now, here's your host, Tony Caligiri. Brought to you by Mighty Taco. Mighty Taco would go great right about now. By Minio and Sapio Italian Sausage. Taste the difference quality makes. And by Dent Neurologic Institute. Developing solutions to neurological problems faced in our community. Good morning and welcome to Inside High School Sports. I'm your host, Tony Caligiri. Joining me this morning, Francis Beck from Western New York Athletics. Frank Wolf still under the weather. We wish you well, Frank. Get healthy. Uh, Rogers here. Rich Sanders, uh, assistant coach from West Seneca West. And we're going to be talking bowling today. Uh, we have our chairman in studio, and we're going to find out uh, who's rolling 300s, who has high averages, what teams are doing well, uh, kind of forecast uh, what uh, states might be like. So we'll have all of that and more. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Good morning, Anthony. Good morning. Good morning. Can I get a little bit more enthusiasm out of you, Raj? I'm sorry. I'm depressed. Depressed? Yeah. Why? Because it's not snowing? No, I mean, the Oscar nominations came out last week, and I'm looking for my name under uh, Best Supporting Actor. You didn't get called? Oh, come on. It's a travesty. There needs to be an investigation. What movie were you in? (laughs) I forget. The one that uh, Fickner uh, filmed back in, uh, what, July? So that would be next year, though. Yeah, yeah. Roger was in what? Oh, a, if it comes out next, you mean I? Yeah, you got, you so now I got to be let on for another year, yeah, worrying about this. I'll never make it through another year. <laughs> You'll be fine. We'll get you through it, Roger. It's okay. We'll put in a good word. All right. With the then other than that, I guess all I got to say is morning, y'all. That's better. <laughs> there he is. All right. Uh, sad to hear about Eric Wood. Um, Career-ending neck injury, I guess uh, they have uh, meetings after the season with the doctors, and if uh, there's any red flags, they're told to go see another doctor, and apparently uh, Eric was told he will never be cleared to play football again, so he has to walk away from the game he loves after uh, nine seasons with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Rich, I mean, that's something that's got to be so difficult uh, on, a, on a player. You've put so much time and you've invested so much energy into your career and have it end like that. Yeah, this, this was kind of probably a surprise to Eric as well. I'm, I'm sure he was struggling through some things during the season um, with pain or whatever, but no one's ever 100% you know, going through a football season. Um, so this is something that probably you know deteriorated over the season and you know you do a physical at the end of the year to conclude because you know players leave and uh, go do workouts with trainers and whatnot so the liability purpose 
the NFL teams want to be relieved of that if something were to happen, you know, contractual and stuff like that. Um, so I guess they found something that um, was apparently severely damaged and that could not be repaired. And Dr. Cappuccino, who I've seen, um, who's a great doctor, uh, took a look and broke the news to Eric. And, you know, it came out kind of inconspicuously, like just a, a random player was having an issue with the neck and, and nobody was talking about it. Um, but eventually it came out, you know, that's too big of a story not to come out. But, I mean, Eric's been that sustainable f- force and that center for the Bills for, what, eight straight years, nine straight years? Nine. Ex- except for that one year when he broke his leg or something yeah. like that. Um, but he's been a guy that, remember, I remember when he was drafted out of Louisville. Same here. And he looked like that kid from Bad Santa. <laughs> and, you know, but he's become a player that, and a captain on the team that, it's going to be a big hole that they got to fill. And didn't and he start off at guard? I believe so when he first came here. He yeah, was guard, I think yeah. he moved to center when, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but uh, started out there and then by necessity he stepped in at center when there was nobody else to do it and the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, he was, he was so solid for the Bills and like you say, a uh, team leader. How do you replace a guy like that? It's going to be tough, but listen, you've done, you did it once. You drafted a guy that was able to do it, so you have to scout again and find a guy that can do the same thing. But from the standpoint from Eric, I mean, it's probably something that he's probably going to have dreams and wake up and feel like, man, I can go play again or have one more season in me. And, you know, it, it's it's just a, a situation that's tough because you, you usually plan out the end of your career, you know. And a guy like him who's been here and played and, you know, goes into camp, doesn't have to worry about getting cut, doesn't, you know, his, his biggest issue was, okay, when's my next contract going to be renewed or whatever. And now it's like, okay, you're done. It's over. So it's it's tough. I'm sure a guy like Eric has probably put thought into what he would do in retirement. Uh, hopefully he's invested his money wisely. And, we just know. had a baby, so I'm sure that part of his life will change now, and that will be the focus of the time. I know he said he wanted to read like 100 books this offseason, and he got through three three books already. One was like Moonlight uh, Dove he read to his child. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I think that part of his life, it's a good thing with timing with the sure. child coming in. But still, it's, I mean, you know, uh, come uh, August and you're sitting there getting the itch, you yep. know, you're watching uh, TV and you're seeing highlights of the teams in camps and then the preseason starts and, and the regular season and you're sitting there and you probably go uh, bet you know what crazy yeah. watching. Yeah. Because uh, he was asked to leave the injury and unable to play, uh, does he get the rest of what he would have gotten out of his contract as opposed to being cut? Well, he'll probably get an injury settlement that the Bills will probably negotiate and work out with him whatever was left on his contract. Since it happened under contract during right. the season. Right. Is, does that count anything like dead money to the cap? or uh, It might count as some dead money to our cap. There was I know they were already up there. They said if you, I heard did say if he got cut at a certain date, it would have been even worse for the uh, salary cap next year. I only caught $4.8 million? Wow. Yeah. Well, either way, we wish Eric all the best in his retirement. Uh, guaranteed his name will be on the Wall of Fame uh, someday. Yeah, eventually he'll get up there. Yeah, just he, he represented the city and the Bills so well and, and wish him all the best. And uh, speaking of injuries, <laughs> Wednesday. This is how my, my year's going by so far. Please explain to everybody how this could happen. This is like a, the freak of all freak accidents. Yeah, Wednesday I wake up and I discovered, uh, get ready for work, I discovered that I had a flat tire. So I go and open up the garage door, 
fire up the compressor. I fill up my tire with air. I see a nice little hunk of metal stuck in the uh, tread. I said, okay, well, that can get plugged. I finish filling it up. I put my tools away. And I go to close my garage door, which is uh, would probably win the Hamburg Ugly Door Contest on any given year. But uh, it's, it's not in the best shape. So it gets stuck as I was pulling it down. I felt both my elbows pop. Mm. A lot of pain. I managed to get myself to work, and uh, I made it through Sandy Beach show, and uh, Sandy and uh, Joe Beam were saying, you got to go to the hospital. <laughs> you got to get this looked at. After the show's over, of course. After the yeah. show's over and after I went and got my tire plugged <laughs> right. so that uh, I didn't have we to have worry. We have our priorities. So I shoot over to uh, Miller Fillmore Suburban, and uh, they do x-rays. Now, it's uh, difficult to tell just from x-ray in the hospital of, of what's actually going on. Doctor initially thought that I uh, strained my bicep tendons. But he says, you need to go to uh, orthopedic. So I made my appointment for Excelsior Orthopedics, went over there uh, yesterday, and the doctor said, I ruptured my tendons in both arms. So you've never seen anybody do both arms at once. So now I have to have surgery within the next couple he of weeks. He never met you before. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's just how my luck goes. Oh, and Tuesday I find out when I'm going to get tubes put in my ears. So uh, the insurance company is going to love me at <laughs> the beginning of this year. Anthony, are you becoming a hypodermic? A hypodermic? Hypochondriac? Hypochondriac. Hypochondriac. Well, he's always needle. Hypodermic, he's always getting needled, I so I didn't know. know. You know. Usually it's you boom, needling boom. me. But uh, so that's what I'm facing right now, and I'm trying try not to miss any time uh, at work, and certainly don't want to miss a, a show. So we'll try and plan it out so that uh, I can be here. But got to play with pain, Anthony. We're yeah, impressed. That's suck, it. Suck I it up. Am. If you look at my arms, they're gross. Get a shot. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rub some dirt on it. You'll be fine. A little bit of duct tape. I'm ready, Coach. Let's go. All right, guys, news and notes. What do we have, Francis? Uh, out of Section 6, some interesting news. They're going to be uh, working with the charter schools to form a charter school league that will be on February 8th. So right now they compete in Section 6, but they're considered independents. This would take the next step and make them a charter school league. Very I always there. thought that this was going to happen. So how many charter schools are there exactly? Because Maritime, I know they're getting football next year. Oh, they are? That's what I heard. Wow. There's probably a little more than a half dozen, I would say, looking at the basketball, per se. So would there be enough for a football league or no? I wouldn't put that in a football league. I don't know if there's league. that many no. charter schools that I are going to put out would, football. They'd be, probably be independent. Uh, how they many combine are to there? make a team? Pardon me? Can they combine to make a team? Well, I'm sure they can if they want, if they get approved by Section 6. Let's, uh, get, let's get the league first and then worry about combining yeah. teams. And then the other big news is the sections working with Buff State to make an officiating minor and offer courses in officiating. Uh, they're also going to be working, just meeting with Entrip pretty soon to work on doing that there. Wow. I like that. Yeah. That's a great idea. And then some quick coaching notes. Um, Mount St. Mary's and Bishop Timon are looking for track coaches. Contact their respective ADs for more information. And Narden is looking for JV and varsity lacrosse coaches. Okay, I got a couple of things, Anthony. Uh, 
uh, center court sent me a text uh, earlier this morning. Wanted to make sure we mentioned that uh, last night when Will North won basketball, that was Chuck Swirsky's 200th coaching victory. As a Buff State guy. Okay. And the other thing, I want to give a shout-out to uh, somebody I adore out in Franklinville. Her name is Danielle Haskell. You might have heard the name. Uh, Once or twice. Okay. She, uh, last Saturday when she woke up, she wasn't feeling that good. Uh, and they had a game at East Aurora. She gutted it out, and she played anyway because of her, as it turned out, flu, because she got home that day, and she hasn't been to school since. Uh she was able to gut it out, uh, you know, because of the flu, she was only able to score uh, 35 points, including eight three-pointers against East Aurora while being under the weather. So uh, Yeah, good thing she wasn't healthy. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what East Aurora is thinking. But no, Danielle, if you're Get listening, well. I know uh, Jeff usually listens when it doesn't conflict with practices. Get well soon. Uh, looking forward to you coming back. Uh, I guess she went to one of those health facilities. Uh you know, not the emergency room. Like urgent care or yeah, maybe care like or something that. like that. Uh, and uh, so I guess things are starting to look up. But for Good. a couple of days there, she was uh, really a hurting young lady. So. Well, flu's been brutal this year. Smudge, get well soon. We want you out back on the court. Uh, speaking of big outings, last week we had the ticket on, and he leaves the show and goes and pours in 52 points. After his birthday, 52 points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's something else there. Um, I got one note, and you know, normally I wouldn't really talk about this unless we had our guests in and the opponent that they beat. Um, but Lancaster Boys Varsity Bowling beat West Seneca East last night, spanked them good. Um, so I just want to give a shout out. Thank you. <laughs> the rivalry runs deep. Uh, if you go to our Facebook page, you'll see uh, a camp uh, that I posted. Jim McNally and Dave Hack are going to have a 2018 offensive lineman skills and technique camp. Emphasis on uh, safe run, pass blocking uh, fundamentals. Uh, camp dates February 28th, March 7th, March 14th, 21st, 28th, April 11th, 18th, 25th, May 2nd, and Ninth, uh, set camp costs two hundred dollars per player. All camp sessions will be held from seven p.m. to nine p.m. at the Ellicott Elementary School, uh, fifty eighty Ellicott Road in Orchard Park. This is a helmet, t-shirt, shorts, sneakers, non-padded camp. Coaches and parents are welcome. Uh, more information on our Facebook page uh, for you. I mean, camps like this are tremendous. And anybody that's ever sat through a Coach McNally camp knows that it's the real deal. Yeah, Coach McNally, and I believe he's working with uh, USA Football, and they're doing a thing um, specifically for blocking with linemen called Tip of the Spear. Yes, and I've read about that. Listen, I saw some videos of that, and I'm getting more details about it. But, man, it is impressive on the technique and the philosophy that's being used to help prevent, you know, head trauma and just injuries through changing the style and the fundamentals of blocking at the offensive line level. I uh, attended a camp last uh, year that I helped put together, and Jim McNally was our uh, guest speaker, and the things that he taught us just blew my mind, especially concerning safety and how they've gotten the head out of the game. And if you uh, use proper technique, you're going to be all right. You're not going to sustain those hits. Yeah, a lot of things have changed in the last you know, four or five years with tackling and blocking that help that. Um, you know, the program that Seattle Seahawks made famous. Um, hawk tackling. Hawk tackling. That's what we use. And same here. The same 
different types of just angles and and movement and it's kind of just reconditioned because even me growing up it was always head across the bow head outside head outside now it's head inside and it's a different type of rap and so it takes some some getting used to but you see the results with the amount of concussions and the amount of head traumas that kids are having and athletes are having overall by using these techniques. I've been teaching that technique as long as I've been coaching. Yeah. Uh, I never was a fan of the chest first uh, type style. I always taught head to the side. Uh, at Ventry, uh, our uh, uh, girls uh, bowling chairman is affiliated with our league in Niagara Falls. And I don't know, Ed, if you've watched any of our practices and you see how we do it, we're putting that head to the side. It's all about the safety. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a big thing these days. and. You know, uh, concussions certainly uh, certainly prevalent these days. I, I know years ago, not too much attention was paid to it, but but you know, it's a serious matter now. So um, hey, you don't you see guys nearly do, as many injuries during our games. No, you don't. You guys do it. You guys do a great job. And you know, there is an injury. All the kids get down on the knee, and you know, they're right out there checking the kid out. So it yeah, really, we have really uh, good trainers thing. like safety's number one there. Yeah, yep. Like Tony Serace comes out there. Tony's, I mean, just, Tony's awesome. He works. He, in our, awesome. he works in our school district. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Great guy. And we're going to be doing some stuff with Tony in March uh, for Trainers Month. So uh, we'll uh, have him in studio. All right, Anthony, one more quick one. Uh, Assuming that he does get out of concussion protocol, we could have three former uh, Western New York high school football players playing in the big show next uh, Sunday. Uh, Besides Gronk, there would be Corey Gramp, uh, Turner Carroll, and Steve Means from Grover Cleveland. All hopefully we'll be at least dressed for the Super Bowl. Of course, Corey Graham also played at Black Rock Riverside Little League where a certain oh, Tony Gallagher was coaching. I mean, oh, Tom, I just, come on. He was at PYP too, Tom. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he, he made his rounds. <laughs> hey, Rog, I'm but not going to... we did have him for one year. I'm not going to tell you, but I know the answer. I'll tell you off the air about the question you have. Uh-oh. Oh. Can we go to the break now? <laughs> All right, guys, let's talk bowling. And as I said, Dan Kaplan and Ed Ventry in studio, and they brought in a, a young lady. Uh, who do we have in here today? Brittany McAndrews from Frontier High School. She's been – I'll let her introduce herself, actually. Hi, Brittany. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing – well, I've had better days. <laughs> All right. Uh, talking bowling, and we'll start with the girls since we have Brittany in uh, studio. Brittany, what's your high game? Um, I shot a 300 <laughs> oh, man. Um, in November at the end of the month at practice only, so oh, it's not well, sanctioned. Still. <laughs> it's still amazing. It's amazing, and we're, I, we're seeing more and more 300s. Uh, somebody from Frontier, I believe, bowled a 300 this year, didn't they? We had, uh, we've had two, one from Fredonia, Trace McKenzie. That's and, it was Fredonia. And then one from uh, Alden, uh, Alex Zepka. So we got two kids so far of 300s going and, into sectionals. And also for section six, and then Kobe Wierworski from Ken East also rolled one. Wow. Uh, yeah. So. All right. And, of course, Roger's going to want to know, Brittany, how many bowling balls do you bring to the lanes? I bring six. I have two three-ball bags, <laughs> and I'm getting two more right now, actually. <laughs> the semi-truck pulls up to the lanes. Okay, Brittany's here. Let's get, let's get going here. Wait, who carries them in, you or Mom? No, I do. 
Okay, you carry them all in? Yeah. All right, good. We, we try to ask our gentlemen to, to be gentlemen and help the ladies, but no, they got their own. They're so. bobcat <laughs> front loaders that come in. What kind of parenting is that? You know, you're gonna, uh, the parent's going to make the girls wear out before they even start competing. That's wrong. Brittany, what, what, makes, what goes into deciding what ball to use on a given uh, day when you're either practicing or you're in tournaments or league play? Um, Depending on the oil pattern, which is how far the oil is down the lane. For sectionals, we're going to be on a 41-foot pattern, so I'm probably going to use a higher ball that has more back end, so it'll push at the end of the ball after I throw it. So it's like oil patterns, heavy oil, light oil. And you guys are able to look this up and know ahead of time, uh, depending on the house, what the conditions will be like. Yes, the pattern just came out last week for sectionals so we announce it ahead of time we uh we find out what the state pattern is going to be uh as chairman and then we let all the coaches in the section know what it's going to be and then we want to set our section pattern to be the exact same one because we obviously want the kids representing our section that hit that pattern best we could put a house shot and the house bowlers will do great but then you get the states and you got a sport pattern out there and then they're going to struggle it also levels the playing field because, you know, kids, every house is different. So um, sectionals are at a, a particular house, which is a home house to some teams. Change the oil pattern, it's, it really is a neutral playing, uh, a neutral site at that point. Are there any type of lanes that you prefer over others, Brittany? I would rather th- throw on wood lanes, which is my home uh, lanes at Briarwood Country Club for Frontier. But airport's not bad, even though they're synthetic. It's it's not really. You just got to have a good day and throw the ball well, and you'll be fine. Make spears. Would you yeah, describe uh, you throw a big hook or? Um, I'm more kind of straight up, or I can play the inside line, so it's kind of like a hook, I guess. Brittany, when did you start bowling? Um, my grandparents got me and my whole entire f- and my cousins and my brother started bowling when we were like five. Wow. Best way to do it, get them started early. Okay, three questions. First question would be how heavy was the ball when you were uh, five years old? Number two, are you a lefty or a righty? And number three, uh, all right, now you know what the lanes are like, the, what do you call it, the uh, oil pattern and everything like that. Out of the six bowling balls, once you've established that, how many would you use in any one? Uh, what three game set is it usually? It's three. a it's a three it's a three morning set, and then you get your total pins and you know your like seating, and then there's three more games in the afternoon after your like hour lunch break, and then whoever's top six goes to states. It's not like football. Do they uh, do they have a lunch break at halftime? Is that what it is when they go into the locker room? <laughs> yeah, I would. That would, okay. that would be nice. Gotta uh, get French fries. That's lefty or righty? I'm a righty. And how many of the bowling balls in any one given game? Out of the six, that I'll you would... probably throw at least four in the morning set because I have a spare ball for like my ten pins and my seven pins. In case you get a flat. Not the kind you were trying to fix. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's take a break, guys. When we come back, uh, we're going to get into finding out uh, who are some of the top teams, top bowlers in the area. What will it be like for states and and things like that? Keep it locked right here on WGR Sports Radio 550 for more Inside High School Sports.
All right, we're back. You're listening to Inside High School Sports. Tony Caligiuri along with Francis Beck, Roger Weiss, Rich Sanders. We have Dan Kaplan, Ed Ventry, our chairman, uh, boys and girls, uh, and Brittany McAndrews in here from Frontier. We're talking bowling today. And, you know, bowling is so big in Western New York, and it has been f- since I could remember as a little kid when I would go and watch my dad bowl at Suburban Lanes uh, back in the day. You know, and it's just it's a popular thing for Western New York, and it's no surprise that our bowlers are doing so well. So let's talk about some of the programs that are really uh, excelling this year. Uh, either uh, Ed or uh, Dan, jump in as a, what you got. What are you guys seeing so far? Um, well, it, we'll start with the boys. Right now, some of the boys teams. I mean, or- Orchard Park right now has got four kids averaging over two ten. So, <laughs> go- going into sectionals on paper, that's just it, when you bowl your top five at sectionals and you got four sitting at two ten or higher, uh, led by Tom Clanky, who's been to states with us the last few years. That's on paper. I we'd put them as the favorite, but we know there's a lot of teams out there. Um, I know Niagara Falls boys are bowling real well. We know that um, they're always mm-hmm. fighting. Uh, my division, Maryville, Tonawanda boys. There, there's there's some solid teams. The difference this year is the state changed things. If you've noticed, some of the other sports are having like wrestling added team championships. Some of the other sports did it. Well, bowling they decided to change for us. In the past, we've always had one boys winner, one girls winner, the overall winners, and then an all star team of boys and girls. Well. They decided the state to break into large school, small school. They set the number at 600. So now we're going to send a boys large school champion, which is obviously all the big schools, the Lancasters, Georgia Parks, and Niagara Falls, uh, and a small school champion to represent the boys. Same with the girls now. So now two extra teams get to go. Um, which will make it real. And now it opens it up a little bit more. Sure. Now, now the teams like Cheektowaga, Tonawanda, we're not competing against Niagara Falls and Lancaster. We're twice our size. So now we got a chance, uh, boys and girls, to get those smaller teams, those Cheektowaga, those Tonawandas. So um, Fredonias, they're always fighting for a title, but it's just tough to compete when you're bowling against a school that's got three times as many kids and um, it, across the state, they're doing this. So they set the number at 600. I mean, obviously, as a, as a Chicago coach, I loved it because we're right below 600. So uh, we don't have to worry about frontiers and these bigger schools right. out there. So uh, it's opened things up a little bit. It's going to change a little bit how we do sectionals now. We're kind of pairing the teams this year based on the size rather than just a random draw. Why, why, might as well be out there on the pairs with the teams you're fighting with to go to state. So... Um, I like the fact that it's going to put more, more, uh, and I think that's what you want. Well, it means more on our bus. It means more in our hotel. It means, yeah, for us it means a little more work, and uh, there's now more kids we got to worry about and more responsibilities for us and the coaches. But it'll... uh, we're excited. We're excited for Syracuse, and we know uh, it's right around the corner, and there's a lot of still some bowling to do. But uh, there's some teams out there, and, and Alden's a good example. Alden... Is, is a small school and to be honest against competing against the big boys but now they're competing in a small school title they're 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 very capable of sneaking in they really are they've got four or five solid bowls led by Alex Zepka and they they could kind of quietly sting some of these these big boys that are out there especially if you get hot on any given uh, day that's what it comes down to I mean it's understanding the pattern like I said we talked about the pattern like we've now every Sunday the kids any kid can go to airport we're setting the pattern up we want these kids to 
the best kids that, that can hit this pattern to represent us at State. So we're giving them this sad, this Sunday. You can go. You can bring your team. You can bring your individuals. You can bowl on that pattern in that house this Sunday, next Sunday, the following Sunday. I know for ECIC, our championships are going to be on this pattern. I know that next weekend there's a tournament at airport, the Section 6 Invitational, where you're bowling six games on this pattern. So it's kind of a preview for sectionals. All the top teams are probably going to be there trying to take a shot. This is, we're going to find out where teams stand two weeks before sectionals start on the, in that house on that pattern. So we're doing everything we can as, as chairman to get these kids prepared for sectionals, not just our own teams. Everyone has an opportunity, so they can't just say, oh, well, these teams bowl at airport. They have an advantage. Well, yeah, Chico, well, we have a little advantage because we're there, but the but they have the to chance anyone. to go there pattern and experience is open it. to anyone right. and these next few Sundays it's going to be it's going to be crowded there because these the teams that are serious about it and the bowlers that are serious about it will be there and they'll be bowling. Roger you had a question? Yeah, uh sectionals, the boys on Wednesday, February 14th, the girls on Thursday, February 15th, snow/cold makeup February 16th. The states aren't until March 10th and 11th. Why yeah. is there such a gap yeah. in between that, the sections? That, that's the longest the we've ever had. Uh, because, and I'm, I'm going to turn it over to Coach Ventry, USBC is involved with uh, with us this year with the states. They've uh, we're having it at the Syracuse On Center. Normally, they're at, at Strikes and Spares in Syracuse, which is the biggest house. But now this year, it's at the On Center, the Convention Center, and the way it's set up, USBC has some control because they're literally building the lanes for us. And I'm going to turn it over to Coach Ventry to talk about it. So because of that, they kind of said, listen, we want to do this for you. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for the kids, but it has to be this weekend in March. So it kind of changed. Yeah, we've got a longer gap between. Yeah, and like Coach Kaplan said, they're, they're actually building the lanes there. So um, that's in preparation for the uh, USBC National Tournament that begins at the end of March and runs all the way through July. There's literally going to be 35,000 bowlers coming to Syracuse from all over the country uh, competing singles, doubles, team events. And it also includes the USBC Masters, which will be there starting April 8th. Um, there's other other events there as well. Um, it's, it's, it's the National USBC Tournament, typically held out in Las Vegas or in Reno at the National Bowling Stadium. Um, they, 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 uh, they, the, the, the tournament travels around. So uh, last year was in Las Vegas. Uh, next year it's in Las Vegas again. Then Reno, Las Vegas, they kind of go back and forth. Every third, every third year, every fifth year, they've been changing it up. They go to a different site. They've been to Baton Rouge. They've been to Corpus Christi. Uh, the, the, it was in Syracuse in 1999. That was the last time it was in Syracuse. And uh, the, actually, the women's tournament was there in 2011. So um, in, because they, we have those lanes being built there, we, our state chairman, our state committee was able to arrange with the USBC to have the high school tournament there. So it really is an exciting thing. It's kind of and you know, I, there was a video showing them building the lanes, and a lot of kids saw it, and it really is exciting. And I'm kind of comparing it to like the movie, the movie Hoosiers, where the you know Gene Hackman walks in with the kids, and it's like this huge arena. They never played it in anything like that before. It's kind of like that. <laughs> it's going to kind of be like that for some of our kids that have never been in anything like that. Cool. If those lanes are on, uh, say, the first floor, I do not want to be in the basement uh, at that time, Tony, because if there's 35,000 bowlers coming and they all bring six bowling balls, <laughs> that, that's like a quarter of a million bowling. Balls. Balls in that building at once. <laughs> no, I'll be thirty-five thousand. Yeah, over the course of like three and a half months or so. But uh, they'll be, they'll be bowling all day, every day. There's squads. One of my buddies said he's bowling at ten forty-five at night one day. 
going there. So yeah, yikes! It's, it's ever literally every day, all day for uh, three and a half months that tournament. So yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, it really is. And in the way you described it with bleachers and uh, wow, stadium seating. Yeah, so there yeah. won't be a bad seat in the house. Yeah. Everyone's looking down on. You the like lane. the movie Kingpin? You yeah, know the movie Kingpin where they have yeah, <laughs> uh, Bill Murray. Yeah. So, but that's a, that's, that's a, all you need. That, is well, Bill that, Murray to show up. That's the National Bowling Stadium, and they're kind of you know replicating that in Syracuse. So, that's yeah. so yeah. cool. Yeah, Brittany never answered that one question. How heavy was the bowling ball when you were five years old? Like six pounds. Did you use one of those racks where you kind of like just roll it down like my daughter uses? No, we had bumpers though. Okay. Brittany, I do have a question for you. So I get from my athletes a lot, well, coach, nobody's perfect. I can't be perfect. Now, in your sport, you literally can be perfect. Yeah. So what 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 is your response if you make a mistake? Um... Because if you can I, be perfect. We were just talking about that this yeah. morning, weren't we? If I throw a good shot and I leave a 10-pin, yeah, I'm upset about it. Like, I threw a good shot. But you still got to go make your spare. You have another frame. You have another ball. You have a couple more games. It's You can bowl 130 in the morning and bowl 250 in the afternoon and still make it to states. Right. Well, that's good. That's oh. awesome. <laughs> All right, let's get back to talk about some of the teams, Cap, uh, who are making noise this year. You mentioned, you know, your your uh, in the large schools with the boys. We got we got Clarence, Star Point, Orchard Park, uh, Frontier's always just in the battle for it. I know. Um, Man, they won a state championship a few years back. Niagara Fialia, Niagara Falls is always a team to deal with. Um, small schools, it's it's wide open. You got Fredonia. I mean, and we don't know a lot about them. I just know every year they're fighting for the title. Um, Gowanda, Hinsdale from the the, the CCAA league. So. Um, Tonawanda boys, Maryvale boys. I know Alden boys beat Maryvale, who finished the season nine and one in division. So um, it, it, it's wide open. It really is for for the for the for the boys, for the girls. It's it's almost the same schools. Orchard Park is is always fighting there. I know Brittany's always got a solid team. Come sectionals, uh, the Amherst girls are are doing real well in their division. Um, Allegheny Limestone. They've got uh, Cameron Spring, who's been to states the last few years with us. We're we're hope once again we're we're hoping kids like that are kids we want like Brittany and Cameron that they're just class kids. They do well. They represent us well at the states. Lockport, um, Lockport, Lockport girls, Lockport girls are doing well in the small school. Uh, my division's just been a battle dealing with teams like Depew and Tonawanda. Um, there, there's some of your small schools. Fredonia again. You're you're hearing a lot of the same names. Um, those are just bowling areas, and there, there's always going to be a surprise school in there, I'm sure. But uh, the the difference is, I can speak for ECIC. We bowl eight kids bowling a match, so you've got an idea. Like these division records show how your eight on eight did against other eight on eights. That's sectionals. It's only five, so my my top five might be better than than your team, but your eight on eight might bury me all season long. So the the story isn't always division record. But, I mean, you get an idea, especially when you're looking at average. Like I said, you look at those Orchard Park boys' averages, uh, they're intimidating. They're, they're number four bowlers at 213 average, and that, that that's that's intimidating on paper. But this sectional pattern um, can change some things. We're going to find out which teams, which coaches, which bowlers can adjust when the lanes start breaking down and as the day goes on. And it's unfortunate. There's some kids that just can't handle that pressure. One bad shot leads to two and three and four bad shots, which leads to some bad games. And I tell my kids all the time, and they, they hate the quote, but it's it's not a sprint. It's 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 a marathon. And I always tell them, listen, you're going to have bad shots. It, it, it happens. I mean, we've all been around. It doesn't matter. 
got to act like you've been there before. It happens, you move on, and we'll see how who handles it. I mean, we're excited. I mean, we know this is a good opportunity for states. We know there's a lot of top bowlers out there. I know uh, girls-wise, there's some, some big-time averages out there. I mean, Melissa Large from Tonawana is averaging a, a 206. My, my division with, with Rachel Wagner, Emily Crone from Cheektowaga, um, some of the some of the other girls, um, Mackenzie, Yesis, and Brittany from their division. Kelly Normandin. I mean, these are these are all girls that give us a good opportunity to field a nice All Star team as well as some of these top teams. Uh, Emily Swenson from Lockport's at two hundred six, leading the NFL, and then of course Cameron Spring down in the CCAA. She's two hundred three, of forty points higher than anybody else in her league. Yeah, she's been to states two years in a yeah, row. Yeah, she's she's been with yeah. us, and uh, she's just a class kid. And we're hoping she just won a state title in girls soccer in the fall. Allegheny Limestone. Her and her sister Alyssa were part of that team, so she's an athlete, and she's just a good kid to have. So, besides sending teams to state uh, section championship teams, individuals who might be. Uh, say that you have one of the best bowler in Western New York, and then uh, the rest of the team are in the bottom 200. Correct. The girl can still, or a guy can go as an individual. That's an all section. They're called all section teams. We will send one boys, one girls, who are pretty much the six top individuals not on the winning teams, and they compete against the other state all section teams. So there's three kind of three tournaments down the states. Uh, Saturday morning, the small school teams will be competing, boys and girls. Saturday night, the all section teams will be competing against each other, boys and girls. Sunday, the large school. So yeah, there's all sections. They go against the other all section teams from around the state. So they're trying for a state title. They're representing section six. They will be wearing section six shirts. They're not wearing their school jerseys. So uh, that's uh, we've been very successful with our all-section team over the years. We've always been fighting for a title, and we've got a handful of state titles that they've won over the years. Okay, and can a bowler that's on, uh, say, Frontier goes to the States as a team, can a bowler from Frontier also be on the all-sectional team? They can't, but they are still competing for individual gold, silver, and and bronze uh, when they're bowling with their team. So there are those awards as well. But those oh, kids cool. are separate. Those all section separate are kids that event. did not are not on the winning teams for for that are going to state. So, yeah, you can only bowl in one of those sessions. Got it. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about high averages, uh, boys and girls. Who ha- who has the highest average, or maybe in the top five, whatever? We come up with. Uh, always curious to see what the averages. I mean, you guys mentioned a few of them, but we'll get into a little bit more. Uh, don't forget, Sports Talk Saturday is up next. I'm sure a lot of talk about uh, Eric Woods' injury with Sal Capaccio, not to mention how it affects free agency and the draft and things like that. So make sure you keep it locked right here on WGR Sports Radio 550. We're back. One last segment of Inside High School Sports. We're talking bowling. All right, Dan and Ed, chime in now. I want to hear some high averages going around Western New York. Who's putting up some impressive numbers? Well, it probably starts with Orchard Park. It just seems uh, they've got a handful of boys, and Tom Clanky's leading it with 225, which is pushing uh, probably one of the higher averages we've seen over the years. We've seen some kids up in the high 220s. Uh, he's been to states with us last four years. He's just he's just solid, and 
He's uh, dialed in. He is. And, I mean, they, they, they have four boys. The, the Nathan Narabeski is at 219, Colton Little 215. I mean, it seems like they're pushing each other. They, they must be. It must be real competitive there, which which is great. Right. And so, uh, team like that, once again, on paper, that's that's going to be a, a, a team to deal with when we roll around at sectionals. Um, I know in, in my division, we've got a couple like that. Alex Zepka, his last few weeks, he's been putting up a couple of 700s. He's gone from about 210 to about 221, just like that, in the last two weeks, just because he's just been bowling. He's locked in. Uh, Colton Simons from Tonawan is at 220. Ryan Lent from Maryville, 219. So uh, we got a lot of solid bowlers out there in the boys. I know in the NFL, Nathan um, Papernick. Papernick is at 215. So Brian Templeton from the Falls, 212. The Falls have four or five boys in the top eight in the NFL, so the Falls team's going to be a team to deal with. Girls-wise, it's almost like we've had a lot of the same names over the years. Um, the the Kelly Normandins, the Sarah D'Angelo from Clarence, Melissa Large, Emily Crone from Cheektowaga, Rachel Wagner's been to States with us from Depew. Um, NFL's got a girl, Emily Swenson from Lockport. So um, we, we've... Uh, uh, Excuse me, is Doris Colburn's either daughter or granddaughter, is she still around? Haley is now uh, at doing very well at St. Francis College. Her and Brittany Gray from Cat Little Valley, who was uh, one of our top bowlers last year. Brittany's a freshman. Haley's, I believe, a junior at St. Th- Francis. They're doing real well down there. So I think Doris uh, is the grandmother and Cindy was the mother. Cindy was the mother, okay, and, yeah. and the, the father, Jerry Carroll, coaches with me at Cheek to Water. So it's, it's just one big bowling family, and yeah, it's... We we had so many years of those kind of kids like Haley and and Melanie Hannon and Brittany Larson and Chad Me. Chad Me. They they just for four or five years they were coming to all of our state tournaments. So we like kids like Cameron Spring and Brittany here. They've been with us before and for the most part we've had no problems with them. We love having them back and we want the best kids representing our section. So we'll uh, kind of see how this plays out. I mean it's. I said the, the the pattern could be a killer for some kids. So they've been bowling on house shots all year. We'll see what happens. But there's some teams, like I said, Orchard Park across the board, boys and their their girls team. They've got a couple girls at Sarah Rott and Danielle Milo. They've um, they've been there, and we'll we'll see if they can finish it off this year at sectionals. But it, it's wide open. Tony, you wanted me bringing this up earlier, and I almost forgot. Most of these kids out there don't even know how to keep score. You said. I'd be willing to bet a lot of them have no clue if we put a, a pen really and paper in front of them how to how to manually keep score. I know they do the not. Pioneer kids. I'll, I'll give a shout-out to, to Dave Bunty and his team. Why? Because at Arcade Lanes, they don't have automatic scoreboards. So I know that's an advantage because they have a clue what's going on when they're writing it out. And my kids, when we bowl the Pioneer, had no clue how the match was going. They that got, blows my mind away. They have these things. They're called papers and pencils and pencil sharpeners. They have to use that. A lot of the kids away from that area, I guess they're not familiar with those uh, radical ancient tools of yore. Yeah. yeah, but yet they know, you know, breaking points. We, you know, use this ball, that ball. Oh, what score. she was saying about the oil and the patterns and all this stuff, my head was mush when she was going through that. Well, you can look it up online, too. Like, the kids know the pattern for sectionals, so they're coaches, and they can look up the pattern, look up what it looks like in color, the oil pattern. You couldn't do that years ago. I just show up with my Fred Flintstone ball, and that's it. There you go. You're one bag, you're one ball, and just roll it down the lanes. Yeah, yeah give absolutely. me an uh, order of French fries and and uh, crunch rolls, and I'm set. I'm set. I don't care what At I bowl. these bowling alleys, Cap, where would they put house balls? 
for people that don't have their own bowling They're balls. all on the racks. The racks pretty much surround the lanes now. And yeah, it's, it's where the kids put all their balls. I mean, it's you, you can't walk. You really can't walk. And we get worried about a little fire safety because the, the walkways are filled with bowling balls. Do I you mean, have when, to put your name on all of them? I'm going to assume it because you're going to have several that are going to look alike. I'm, I'm sure. But they're all in their own bags. They know their own bags. And... Yeah, they and their finger patterns, so they know. You know oh yeah, just looking at it, I guess. Oh, so when she said that she comes in with two, three bag, <laughs> you know, bags with that would carry three yeah. balls, and that's four. Uh, Brittany, assuming you use a sixteen pound ball, I do. That's forty eight pounds in each bag. So she's coming in carrying ninety six pounds plus shoes. Damn. <laughs> that's how much, crazy. How much does a typical bowling ball cost? I've seen like those custom ones. Like, what are the ranges? Uh, usually between 150 and 200. Wow. Oh, so I should open up a bowling ball business, is what you're telling me? I'll, I'll use the house ball shop. Yeah. <laughs> Probably can make some good money doing it. <laughs> no, uh, I know you're talking about a few kids who have gone on to the next level. Talk a little bit about the opportunities for kids to play at either Division One or at, at the college level. Um. To be honest, for for bowling, I, I think the girls probably have a much better chance um, around here. Around here, around here. Yeah. Um, you'll find more girls getting that opportunity to bowl at, at the next level. Um, not that boys can't. I mean, ECC's top top bowling school for boys or girls, but we've seen a lot more girls go wow. off to um, the St. Francis, the Sacred Hearts, who are some of the some of the top. Um, Division One bowling schools. So uh, Fairleigh Dickinson, Melanie Hannon had a phenomenal year at Fairleigh Dickinson. But the local schools, the Damon and the Medais and the Uvils, Lord, they're starting to, to pick up their programs and they're they're starting to get the Buffalo kids and they're actually being very successful. Well, Hilbert, for years, wasn't ECC a top bowling? They, they still are. They still are. Uh, they do a good job over there. Do you guys as chairman keep track of averages throughout the state so you know what you're going up against when you get to uh, states? It's it's tough to do that, Tony, because, um, you know, like I said earlier, every house, different house pattern, the oil pattern really does dictate the averages uh, a lot. Um, so it's really you, useless you, then to... Uh, it really okay. is. Okay. It, you know, we go to states every year, and these, you know, no disrespect out to Long Island, there, and they have yeah. some really, really good bowlers out there. But they're they're coming in with you know two thirty plus average averages and, and and don't get me wrong they do well and they, and they you know they may get the best of us but they're not thirty pins higher than a lot of our guys okay. you know what I mean they're just it really does make a big difference yeah because how they my lesson, in, so you know how do we stack up against yeah. the rest of the state I mean over two hundred over two ten if you're averaging around there you're you're going to be able to be competitive on any given day so. Right. A two thirty average, Anthony. You got to realize that's what eight or nine strikes in any one game. Two hundred average. No, it's when you oh, said the two thirty. Oh, two thirty. Oh, yeah, two thirty. Depending on how you put the strikes yeah, together. Yeah, you get you get three only. Let's say yeah, eight eight nine strikes. Depends on where they are. Right, you know, and, you consecutive know, you, or not. Exactly. Right, yeah. Exactly. It's at least seven strikes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when we pick our all star team, see, we do it kind of based on sectionals, and we pick it from there. But like. And Long Island's a good example. They just pick their top six kids. They have a committee that just says, okay, you six were the best throughout the year. We're taking you as our all-section team. So it's it's good and it's bad because we our kids that win from sectionals, they're bowling on that state pattern. So those are the kids we want that the kids from Long Island and some of the other sections, we're one of the few that 
we make our kids bowl on the tough pattern. Like So if you look at our numbers for sectionals, they might be lower than some of the other sections, but they're bowling on house patterns to get their winners. Right. So we're, yeah. we're, we're not. You but. look at their scores at sectionals, and they're just they're averaging 230 at sectionals. That's not happening on this oil pattern. So right. You just know they didn't they use come it. They yeah, <laughs> come right. down yeah. to earth. Yeah. So on exactly. paper, we're like, so. oh, my God, look at Long Island. Their lowest bowlers, 232, and then... Well, they were born on a house shot, and okay, that's your choice. But mm-hmm. we know what we want from our kids, and so we, we want to challenge them. We want to make it harder. So if you had six guys you picked up, you see the oil pattern, you have these six guys. But if it's this oil pattern, you could have different guys. You wouldn't necessarily have the same six? Uh, well, no, not that we would choose them, but, but there, you, if we put a house shot out, it might be different from a, a sport pattern. You might get different bowlers because they'll respond differently. All right, guys, thank you very much. Brittany, best of luck to you the rest of the way and through states. Uh, we hope that uh, you have a successful journey. Thank you. She, Brittany, uh, Brittany's here because she was she was at states the last three years, her ninth, tenth, and eleventh grade year, and just, she's trying to get there last year. Go, with seniors, go get them, Brittany. Senior. And uh, 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 guys, thank you so much for coming in today. Go ahead, Rich. Go west. All right, we'll talk to you guys <laughs> next week with more inside high Thanks, school Tony. sports. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.